When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, they're very fit. They're physical. They're very handsy. If you draw it, if you play in a crowd, they're going to take it from you. Um, and they, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a great defensive team. Um, they, you know, a lot of our, I mean, we had a lot of turnovers. They're just dumb, you know, like just silly turnovers, just throwing the ball out of bounds off of outlet passes and stuff like that. I don't, I don't Chase for the sixth seed, kind of how do you, how do you view it uh, at this point? Yeah, I, mean, I view it as I view it at every single point. Just going to try to win the game, win as many games as we possibly can, let the chips fall where they may, you know. <laughs> that just dumb turnovers. <laughs> Oh man, greatest basketball sitcom character going right now, Finchy. as far as I'm concerned. Finchy man, life Just, of Finchy. Uh, so okay, we're gonna. G- this is reckless speculation Thursday for one, all across the Mackie and Judd show. So we- reckless speculation to all of you who celebrate. Happy reckless speculation Thursday. Our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson on vacation, so he's he's on vacation. But reckless speculation is not on vacation. So we right. will sprinkle in. And dive into some, as Judd called it last night on a text thread, some freestyle or free form reckless speculation. We've got some, we've got some theories and thoughts we want to throw out to the, to the audience. Uh, but did I see correctly last night on the Wolves telecast? They have not won a game in Toronto since two thousand four. Yeah, I think uh, Jim Peterson referenced the fact that Gary Trent Jr.'s father, Gary Trent Sr., was a member of the Timberwolves the last <laughs> time that they won a game in Toronto, and I think he was serious. I couldn't tell for sure, but I think he was serious. 2004. Yeah, they showed the highlights of the game, and it was like K- KG, you know, and his MVP It looked like season. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> like quick-moving pictures. Black and white. <laughs> it was a silent film. Yeah. So, and, and they just got – well, they had a 17-point lead and then wound up down by like – 30 or whatever it was yeah. in the fourth quarter. So I need your guys' help. Like I am I am the uh the lead Timberwolves Kool-Aid guzzler on the show here. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this is a wildly successful season by almost any measurement. They're like 10 wins beyond their Vegas projected win total. Everything is kind of gravy going forward. You know, Cat has stepped up to another level. Ant looks like he's gonna be a superstar. But uh, I just uh, I've got sort of a, a lingering, creeping death feeling all the time with this team. I can't I can't shake seventeen years of right. abuse from this team. So, like, is this just to set the scene? Is this anytime something goes wrong, you sort of start to internally I, panic and think the worst? I start to freak out, breathe into a brown paper bag, and uh, take shots of alcohol. Yeah, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. Okay. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. This is actually a pie chart of panic. <laughs> and it's just, it's for therapy purposes only, okay? This is a, I want to get this out of my system before the season's over so I can go into what's likely going to be a play-in game. With clear eyes, open mind, open heart for the Timberwolves. Okay, I feel I feel you're fooling yourself though to a certain point by announcing that the pie chart of panic is going to clear out the bad. You can't get past it. Like let's let's delve in, let's dive into the fact that this is only going to be uh, you purging your angst for about a half hour before the angst returns, despite the fact that you paid for the full therapy session. Okay, I mean you might be right. It's very possible, but I just I, I need this last. I was I was texting last night with I some hear of my, it, yeah. my fellow like wolves fanatics. This is a lot of work, and, Phil. So like, all right, a lot of work here. Going it's on. a it's not a pie chart of it's kind of a pie chart of blame, but it's more of a pie chart of panic. These are things that I am concerned about right now, as the wolves lose in horrible uh, fashion last night. So four slices. Let's start with slice number 1. 30% of the pie chart of panic goes to D'Angelo Russell. Mm. So, he goes 3 of 16 last night after the worst four-game stretch of his season. So, he he had a couple bad games and then I think it was like the third or it might have been the fourth game of that stretch where Chris Finch came out after the game. Somebody asked him, you know, what do you got to do to get D'Lo going and he said, "Well, uh we actually designed the game plan tonight specifically to get D'Lo going. It didn't. It didn't get going. And so, okay, well, that's that was embarrassing. So four game stretch, you know, four biggest games of the season. You got Dallas a couple times, and the Suns. You're you're battling for the six seed, and he shoots like thirty percent, fifteen percent from three, and averages ten points. That's okay. Let's snap out of it here, and he scores some points early. But he winds up going, like I said, 3 for 16, and then after the game says he's having confidence issues. Mm, yeah. So 30% to D'Lo, the, one of the highest paid players on the team, having confidence issues during the biggest five-game stretch of the year. Do you want to get through the whole thing first or break no. these down <laughs> as you go through go them? Because, them because them you down. know, I mean, the funny thing is, much like all of my sports patients, you are – using the player as the shield for your own insecurities and problems with this team. Um, D'Lo is, so do you know when you start to turn a corner in life and, and you might have new friends or in this case, new players on your team and you start to turn it that corner, but as the corner gets turned more and more and more and things start to improve and there's an excellence that is perhaps maintained that that person was just a transitionary person. Like that friend was a transitionary friend, but that's not going to be, it turns out, really not part of the long-term plan because you're climbing a ladder of excellence and you're on a rung. <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, 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 your co- like your senior year of college drinking friends aren't the same friends you're going right. to have for the most part like 10 or 15 years yeah. later. I mean, not all of them are going to be gone. Or like, but, you know, no, let, let's say you're ascending it yeah who cares about <laughs> Let, let's say you're ascending in the business world and and you're starting to get successful and you <laughs> glum on to a person who you're like at first this person's great really helpful and they are for a, a time period but your ascension continues and they're going to stay where they are yeah i think that might be d 
not to say he's not a very important part of what the 2021-22 Wolves are doing, because I think that ultimately he's done some really good things, and when he got hot, it was yeah. fun. Yeah. And But I think that he might be part of the a person you pass on your way up the ladder of success. I don't know he's going to be a permanent part there. That's an interesting one. I guess I hadn't quite gone that far, but yeah, I... I well, because you're I, too I, close to it, Phil. I'm uh-huh. see. I can take a step back. I'm the sports therapist. I'm paid well to observe from afar and not invest. I mean, to your point, these are the biggest games of the year, and he's taking up almost twenty percent of your team's salary cap. Huh? And now, do I think he's going to bounce back at some point? Yes, I do. Like, I don't think he's just going to shoot three for sixteen. But he's you know he goes to these stretches where it's like, dude, your bad games can't be Houdini acts. Like you're. You got to find a way in your bad games to do a bunch of other things to help the team, and oftentimes he's just like an anchor that that weighs the boat down under the water surface. But you know, if you said, "All right, take the team as currently constructed and replace Delo's thirty-plus million dollars with another player who's better and makes around the same amount of money, or two players, or whatever it is," like, yeah, that's an interesting concept to explore at some point. I think two things can be true: he is a huge part of the reason why this team has taken a big step. And in the biggest part of their season, he's a, one of the main reasons why they're not beating these teams. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on, on D'Lo for me here? 30% just, of the... I think when things are going bad, the question becomes this. What is he doing to still try and lift his team up? And I'm not sure I can tell you. I, I can even tell you, and look, it doesn't work, but I can tell you that when Ant's not shooting well... He's trying to think of different things to help. Not saying that it works, but he's still incredibly young. But it feels like when D'Lo starts to spiral, the spiral is complete. And that's not part of the ultimate winning DNA where you're going to be chasing championships. Yeah, the confidence issue thing, too. It's like, I I never would have expected that from him. He always seemed like Mm -hmm. just confidence on full blast all the time, even sometimes lack of self-awareness. But, you know, it's like, dude, the lack of confidence thing is... A little bit of a red flag. I'm going to tell you right now, I think that's an act to try and fool himself. Okay. I think the confidence on full blast is an act that he is putting on. And, and I'm not I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but some people are overly confident at times. And you're like, what are you, why are you doing that? And it turns out that they're insecure. And so they're trying to put off this I'm super confident vibe, which is just not true. Yeah. And another thing here, sir, I guess some of this is in fairness to Dilo, but it's also, yeah, this is the bed that he has been in in the NBA. You know, when times get tougher like this and, okay, you've reached a new level and now the expectations go up a little bit and the competition heats up and you're facing some of the best teams in the NBA and you're going on the road, what reference points are you pulling from in your career in the NBA, Cat included, Ant included, right? These guys these guys haven't played in games like this. I mean, Cat kind of did four years ago, but that was such a – like he was he was kind of along for the ride, and it wasn't it wasn't like his team, hey, you got to figure out the answers here. It was more Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau. So these guys have to figure out the answers to these math problems on the fly with very little uh, or very few reference points. D'Lo had that one run where they went they went like 42 and 40 with the Nets a few years ago, but this is a lot of uncharted territory for them. If if I may again, too, um, there, there's the – the old phrase. I mean, I feel like this is like this is about you. Let's let's cut the, to the chase here. Um, I feel like the, the old phrase, fake it till 
you make it is true in some things, but in sports, I think that there's only so much faking it that can be actually done. The thing about Ant that I love is this. Ant wants it. He wants the steam. He wants the heat. He wants the fastball. He might fail, but, but he wants the smoke. But he wants it, right? Like, he wants it. And, again, he might fail, but he's saying, give it to me. Cat, I've had questions about, and D'Lo, I think, when the smoke really starts, doesn't really want it. And so, but, you know, uh, you're building something here. You're building this thing up. You've got to find out what fits and what does not. It's just a breath of fresh air. The team does not stink, so that's the nice thing. And I think think both the guys you referenced in Cat and D'Lo that that are in question here, I think they want the smoke, but I think sometimes they underestimate how thick the smoke can be. It's like, no, the guys, this is... That's You're not I mean, just like yeah. walking into Toronto Ooh, here, like you know, this is I like you know, that one. thick smoke, it's thick smoke. Okay. All right. Pie chart of panic continues the here. Knows how you feel about pie. The second slice of pie is split 30%. It's split between two different players. The absence of Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels. All right. Now, now Beasley is sort of day to day. Like he should come back here at some point. McDaniels high ankle sprain. They only have six games left in the regular season. I think we're finding out that McDaniel's versatility, his energy, length, defense, just everything. He's he's not their best player, but he's one of their most versatile players, and he helps with lineup combinations. He's just one of those dudes that gets hands in passing lanes and creates a couple turnovers here and there. And uh, and when you have to take his minutes out and then move other guys up the ladder, the team suffers. And then Beasley, I saw this note from our guy Dane Moore from the Dane Moore NBA podcast. So Beasley's only missed three games this season. The Wolves have lost those three games by 31, 22, and 23 points. Now, is some of that coincidence? Yeah, like, is is he is he like a 30-point swing player in games? No, not necessarily. Uh, but the last two months, he's been one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. And so you're, you're taking away two guys who've been critical to your bench and starting lineup that average between the two, like, you know, 40, 50 minutes a night, and they're just gone during this key stretch. So uh, getting those guys back is huge if you want to do anything in the play-in or the playoffs. Hopefully Beasley comes back ASAP. I don't know about Jay McDaniels. I'm sort of panicking. Yeah. The McDaniels loss, uh, to me, is the the bigger one because he brings um, a very quantifiable skill set in, and it's diverse, and it's incredibly important. So that one, I think, you definitely miss big time and need back. The Beasley one, of course, uh, um, is centered around one thing, and that's consistency. If he can come in and knock down the shots, he's great, which he basically, I think, has, to your point, Phil, for the last two months. Before that, it was hit and miss. Um, but again, I think this is all going through as well, the growing phase here. And and there are some guys, you know, like Kat, who you would like to say, damn it, he's just there now. And at sometimes he looks like he 1,000% is, and at sometimes he does not. But I think that there's other elements of this team as it's being constructed, and it is a work in progress. Like, this is not done that you have you have uh, glaring deficiencies that are going to become obvious, especially this time of year against playoff-tested teams that are going to be a problem. But the good thing, Phil Mackey, is you lay on the Wolves' couch and, and consider your options in life. The good thing is this. This is a work in progress. And there are time. there is time now 
to look at, at things that are going well and conversely breaking down and actually circle back and say, okay, that didn't work. What do we need? What what did we not do right? Where where were we just flat out not constructed right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you. I think the McDaniels loss is really, really big because he gives you a known quantity, for the most part, off that bench consistently. And it's not just a, a snap of the fingers and replace it. Beasley, if he's going great, is fantastic. And if he's not, he will kill you. So. You're, you're, you're yeah, also you're, you're without two very important things, right? Like McDaniels provides the defense, the length you need, and athleticism where Beasley is that shot maker. So like you, you literally are without some key ice blood, ice cold shot making from from behind the arc and Beasley, and then some really nice defense in McDaniel's. Like those are two big glaring issues that you're without now. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, depth depth has been a strength of this team when they've been healthy, and and those guys being gone, I just looked it up too. They're averaging combined uh, 51 minutes a night, so it's 51 yeah. minutes of those guys mm-hmm. against some of the better and this, teams. And this also, excuse me, gets back to D'Lo being absolutely terrible right now. Like, if he was knocking down his shots, the Beasley thing would hurt a little bit, but it wouldn't kill you. It's killing yeah. you now. Yeah, so like you lose those guys, and then you're getting kind of a minus effort from D'Angelo Russell to right. go along with this. You're, you're basically you're missing three players if you include D'Lo. So, uh, you know, with all that, I feel like my Wolves health is in question. So it's a good thing that the Mayo Clinic Men's Health uh, Center in Minneapolis is accepting new patients. They're right yeah. across the street. The Wolves can go practice and then go check up. <laughs> That's, yeah, well, maybe some of them should. After the last few games. So uh, Mayo Clinic will see men of all ages for vasectomy, infertility, ED, prostate, urinary conditions, cancer screenings, cancer treatment. They've got your back and your front. Request an appointment. Menshealth.mayoclinic.org. That's menshealth.mayoclinic.org. Okay. Pie chart of panic here. This is very therapeutic. As I talk through some of these feelings, hopefully some of you Wolves fans, this is a safe space, okay? Don't by the way, if you're a Wolves fan here, don't don't over project and be like, ah, you're just overreacting, okay? We're all kind of feeling this way a little bit right now. So the third slice of pie, thirty percent again, to Paul George. Oh my god. Who we saw a couple nights ago. See, now, now we're points. boy now we're gonna spend some time on this one. He's Go one ahead. Of the fifteen, maybe ten best players in the NBA when he's healthy. And the Clippers are pretty locked into that eight spot. They're not. In fact, they may be mathematically locked in at this point. I'm not 100 percent sure, but they're not going anywhere. Like you don't, if you don't catch one of the teams above you in the standings, which, by the way, you're not going to. <laughs> I think the Wolves are three games back in the loss column now of two or three different teams. The Nuggets. Blew a lead last night, but then came back in the fourth quarter against the Pacers and won. So even if the Wolves win their final six games, they would need one of those other teams, the Nuggets most likely, to train wreck their way to the finish line. So you're going to have to face a Clippers team that's already competitive. Like, they're already, you know, a 500 team mostly without Paul George. And now they have Paul George. So, excuse me if a wave of... Moderate anxiety comes over me when yeah, I think about fun. that playing game. All right, all right. Now we did. Now we've got some real work. This is where the real work begins because previously you were talking about things that went bang in the the night and actually should have scared you. This one you can't control. You are now projecting. Well, outwards. I can't control really any. Of and, I can't control D'Lo going three of sixteen either. 
No, but it's your team. What I'm saying is now you're projecting <laughs> outward. You're, now you're projecting to Los Angeles. And the fact is you cannot control the fact that Paul George is coming back. And guess what? The Clippers might beat the Wolves. The Wolves might lose twice. The Wolves might not get it out of the playing round. You, ha- you need to confront that. You need to confront the reality that while they probably will, there are no guarantees, but you certainly have no control over what is going to take place with different teams. You need D'Lo to find himself, which is very possible. Malik Beasley could come back, very possible. The rest of the things are are, are at least things that are happening, happening internally with the Timberwolves. Paul George thing, you know what? You got to let it go. You got to let the chips fall where they may for opposing teams. And if they get guys back and happen to kick your ass, they do. But the question is, what is your team learning about itself so it can come back stronger as it continues its climb up the ladder of success? A long time since they've been going up those rungs, potentially, for next season film. I don't want this team to learn that like about meltdowns. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't want I don't want now ultimately if they melt down then it wasn't meant to be and, and changes need to be made, but this is a Clippers team. Now granted they had Kawhi Leonard healthy for like half of their playoff run last year, whatever it was. But this is a team that went to game six of the Western Conference finals last year and Paul George yeah. is their best player. So what quantifies a meltdown though? Like if the Clippers like like, lo- like losing in the plan and not making the playoffs. But they might come in with Paul George and just beat you. Yeah, that's that would be a flat that, out beat you. That would be that would be a meltdown. No, yeah. but I think of a meltdown. No, right, right, right. No, no, well, no. This I'll get to ther- part I'll get to part this two is, of a potential meltdown in my fourth slice. A meltdown is they have a 25-point lead at home and the Clippers come back. If the Clippers come in well, with we've Paul seen George, that show. Uh, we, yes, we have, and that's a meltdown. But what I'm saying is be careful how you use the term meltdown. You see, you're throwing out these <laughs> these terms. Just getting out of my and system. This is what's a no, no, but it's not But it's not healthy how you're thinking about this. You're doing yourself a that's disservice, young basketball fan. What? If the if the Clippers have Paul George back and they're really good and they come in and beat you, they beat you. That's not a meltdown. Okay, That's something. Okay. Well, then what, let me get to let me get to my fourth slice. All right, let me get to right. my fourth. Slice. And, and by the way, the you're clock right, is ticking here. My therapy right. sessions. Th- th- this is not cheap. Your <laughs> your okay. insurance your insurance goes for a very short time now. And that's okay. Canada. I bought I bought Wolves stock when they drafted Johnny Flynn, and so my uh, my my Wolves equity is high. I can mm-hmm. pay for it in Wolves stock. Mm-hmm. Why do you need help? 10%, my final 10%, my pie chart of panic, goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. And you might ask, what? The Pelicans? What are you talking about? Why why would you care about the Pelicans? Well, the Pelicans are the second team that you would likely play in a playing game, assuming that LeBron James' ankle is effed. Like, I think the Pelicans would beat either the Lakers, maybe even with LeBron James, and I think they'd beat the Spurs. So the Pelicans would, if you lose to the Clippers and Paul George, you would likely face the Pelicans in the second play-in game, all right? The Pelicans started 3-16, and 16, and we all wrote them off because they don't have Zion. Uh, I think they might have beat the Wolves in there somewhere early, too, like to make it feel even worse. Like, oh, how'd the Wolves lose to a 3-16 and 16 Pelicans team? Well, since that start, the Pelicans are 30-27. and 27. They just beat the Blazers last night, C.J. McCollum making his return to the... Uh, mm-hmm to the arena. They've got wins since acquiring CJ McCollum over the Suns, Jazz, Raptors, and Bulls. 
I know their record looks bad because there's like there's still ten games below five hundred or whatever it is trying to dig out from that three and sixteen hole. But the Pelicans are a feisty competitive team, and they have beat some of the best teams in the NBA since acquiring CJ McCollum. Okay, that completes my pie chart of panic. <laughs> Just want to flush it all out of my system. So what you- things I am thinking about having followed Timberwolves basketball for thirty plus years. So what's your threshold for not panicking just if they make the playoffs themselves? If they get to a playoff series, I'm good. I'm good. I know I said that everything beyond this point is gravy. I should preface by saying get to the actual playoffs yeah, see, and then not. everything see, is gravy. This is where the breakthrough has come in. This is where the breakthrough has come in because you were you are lying to yourself. <laughs> you were doing the D'Angelo Russell fake it till you make it and now you're falling apart because the New Orleans Pelicans and the Clippers with Paul George are keeping you up at night because they might stand in the way of this godforsaken franchise not actually qualifying for the playoff tournament. Now you're probably right about that. You got to take those last two things out. You can't. You you, well, you can't. Uh, those you are can't like the be, two of the biggest things. You, like you, right, but if they happen, they happen. If they lose to the Clippers with Paul George. I won't be surprised. The Clippers the with Paul George loss. are probably better than the Timberwolves. Correct. That's what I'm saying. So if they play them in that first game at home and lose, because so so to circle back to your to your very point, I will use your own words against you in the <laughs> ar- argument that it would be a meltdown if they lost to the Clippers. What are so in that game against Paul George? What are the overall reference points the Wolves have? They don't have any. Exactly. That's why. How are you making me feel better? Oh, that's why. Because except I'm not. Okay, so you're you're saying highly paid sports therapist to make you feel better. So you're saying you're you're using my almost you're using my ethos against me because what I often say on the show is the gap between expectation and reality is where your angst lies. That if if you expect this thing up here, but the reality is it's actually down here. Then now that's on you. Yeah, so I guess if you look at it through that prism, that the Clippers, who have been to the Western Conference Finals, the Western Conference semis two years ago, you know, they flirted with 50 wins each of the last three seasons until this year. Okay. Yeah, they probably should lose that game. And I'll be pleasantly surprised if they win. Right, exactly. That? Exactly. Okay. The unexpected success. But, I mean, they also need, in defense of the Wolves, they also need reference points themselves. The reference point is what will help them eventually probably flush D'Angelo Russell off the roster. Boy, that's a, that'll be a, that'll be a juicy conversation. I don't think that huh. happens this offseason. I don't either, but what I'm saying is those reference But, points, like, imagine Damian Lillard in that spot instead of D'Angelo Russell. I'm just saying once you get the reference points, you realize who can keep up with the game and who struggles to. It's time to play the game. That's right. I just threw, I just put Damian Lillard on this team for next year. Okay, so your you bill your bill won't be cheap. Who who's your insurance company? Uh my insurance company, it's funny you ask. Uh, it's Federated. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, and because I am a business, they insure me. You know, I'm not I'm not individual Phil. I am media mogul. God knows you need it. Yeah. <laughs> media mogul Phil. So you can uh, you can find a full list of industries on federatedinsurance.com to, to find out what they specialize in if it matches up with your business's industry. And uh, and you can help. By the way, they, they also have been a partner of the Timberwolves for a long, long time. So, so 
you want to support us, support the Timberwolves, et cetera, Federated is the place to go. Federatedinsurance.com, and remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. It is Reckless Speculation Thursday, and you threw out a D'Angelo Russell trade, so can I, can I throw out a Reckless Speculation trade idea involving D'Angelo Russell? Can I do that? Will the floor oh, allow? No, 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 that's your response. Objection! Where'd you get this? How about Reckless Trade Speculation? I love Jim Ross. God. I love how we're like a, we're just like on the doorstep of the playoffs and we're just trading D'Angelo Russell we're trading right him. now. We're trading. <laughs> Came up Pretty with uh, three of sixteen, dude. It was what awful. are you doing? Come it was on, awful. Man. Yeah, get it together. I was watching the bricks ridiculous. yesterday too, and, the, and then I and I came up with this trade idea. Watching Toronto. So okay. how about this potential trade idea with the Toronto Raptors? D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt. And a first-round pick to Toronto. Oh, my God. For, for Vince Carter in his prime? Yeah, I wish. Honestly, I wish. That'd be, that'd be, for, that'd for, be amazing. For prime Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter? A little Steve Francis. That'd be, that'd be phenomenal. I love all that. Maryland, man. He's good. Did he play? Steve Francis play for the Raptors? Yeah, didn't he? He went from he the for McGrady. Houston, uh, the Raptors. Oh, did it go? He was, he, he was, he was, he was Rockets, for sure. Right, because yes, the McGrady-Francis trade. I thought, wasn't that, that was the trade, right? Was he in Houston? Was in Toronto? Anyway, how old, how old are you? You were like remember. peeing your pants. Uh, I remember. All right. So anyway, D'Lo Vanderbilt in the first round pick to Toronto, and in return, oh Finchie. God. Oh my God, Finchie gets. Oh, I thought you were trading Finchie. No. no, and Finchie gets his boy Pascal Siakam. Wow! That's, wow! With one of the smallest teams in the NBA, get a big man in Pascal Siakam who hits plenty of shots from everywhere. Dude, he's a and, badass, and. Also, the Wolves would still be under the salary cap. This trade, money-wise, is just about dead even. It's like 300000 off if you include D'Lo and Vanderbilt for Pascal Siakam. And then it also still gives Toronto an expiring contract in D'Lo. They get even more significantly underneath the salary cap. And the Wolves get a legitimate guy to pair with Cat. Cat and Pascal Siakam, two big dudes, hitting shots from wherever they want. And then you have to find a new point guard, but I and think then, you can oh, figure J- that Jaylen, out. Jalen Noel gets gets a little bit. I think Jalen Noel has has a chance yeah. to, to get more man. Some this is interesting. Spicy P. Okay, so this sounds insane and crazy because you know it's reckless speculation Thursday. But a couple things coming. There were there were rumors during the offseason last year that Toronto was because you know Toronto they won that title a few years ago, but then they lost Kyle Lowry and. They're competitive, but they're they're a little bit in that no man's land in the NBA where you're not as good as like the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. You're you're feisty, but where are you going? <laughs> and Pascal Siakam's name popped up in trade discussions that oh, maybe this is maybe they would they look to cash in on the rest of his contract. So he has two years left on his contract, two thousand twenty two twenty three, and then two thousand twenty three twenty four. At thirty three and thirty five million dollars, it's around the money that that D'Angelo Russell makes. Um, that's the boy. So they would get the ex- they would essentially be admitting, hey, we're kind of we're kind of going into a reset here, expiring contract, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, looking to get younger or something. Even though Pascal Siakam's only like twenty eight years old, I if I'm the Timberwolves, love this. Now Jared Vanderbilt, I almost like Jared Vanderbilt's almost tougher to give up. Yeah. Than D'Angelo Russell because he's more cost efficient. He's versatile. He can defend multiple positions. I think in a perfect world, he would come off your bench as like a feisty twenty-five minutes a game guy. Um, yes, 
Yes, I agree with that. But, man, like a front court of Pascal Siakam and Carl Anthony Towns, oh, my God, that would be devastating. Interesting. And Declan's right. They need that. Interesting. So, Phil, if, if you could wave a magic wand this summer and add one um, big name to this team, what position would that be at? They need a big man. They need. I know that you know. There was a, a couple nights ago. <clears throat> excuse me. Against DeAndre Ayton, I think they actually out rebounded the Suns by one rebound in that game. But there were so many. And now DeAndre Ayton makes almost every team look small because he's a brick house, right? But when you watch some of these teams and the and the rebounds and the possessions that they can keep alive when Cat's off the court, like Vando is a high energy guy and. I love having him out there, and he can rebound a little bit too. But like, when Cat's out of the game, yeah, who's like, who's defending in the paint, and who's it? it well, Nas not the is cat, not the cat's like Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime as a defender either. But they just they don't have any. Yeah, and Nas Reed is and he's one shots, but and and but not even like at a high level. Like they need someone in there who can just you know who, who is there, Robert Williams. Who is there? I'm listing some of the best. Defensive bigs in the game here, but like, who's your Rudy Gobert? Like, or your or your diet version of that? Your diet Tyson Chandler from fifteen years ago? Like, you need a guy like that, and they don't really have one right now. Now, if you're asking, I I, I would love to see if 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 I'm going to have sort of a combo guard making thirty plus million dollars and and have a a high usage rate like D'Angelo Russell, I'm going to need some more production in some of the biggest games. So this mm-hmm. is a really interesting stretch here. I'm not writing him off yet, but like the, the, these games weigh and matter more than yeah. the games two months ago mm-hmm. for what you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to ramp up and play your best basketball at the right time, and you're facing some of the best teams in the NBA. And if you're unable to rise up to that moment, I think it says something. I think some of it's luck and timing, and sometimes your shot just doesn't fall. I agree. But I think some of it matters. So I'm you know, to me, Delo's going to sort of show – do you belong with this thing long-term or not in the next three weeks or so? The biggest reason why I want this team uh, to get through the play-in round and make the actual playoffs is because I want to see Cat in that setting now. One, I think it's valuable. Mm-hmm. Two, I just want to see it. The Rockets thing, so I didn't, I think that we we were pretty, um, pretty careful not to rip him too too much because that team was sort of a weird team and and that was his first playoff experience and so while the TNT guys were completely bagging on Cat I didn't think that that was completely fair at, at the time yeah. but I really want to see him now in that setting because I don't think he's wired like Ant I think Ant is wired correctly I think Ant's like let's go and he might fail but he's like let's go Cat, I think, has some question marks and tries to talk himself into being confident at times. Um, But that doesn't mean he's going to fail. And I really want to see this team put in a setting where there's pressure, criticism, because you know, Phil, these guys, the TNT stuff, they all know exactly, misguided or not, what those guys are saying, right? Mm -hmm. Like they listen to it and they react to it. And it sounds stupid, but that's important because that's, 
how how much can you overcome what's being said about you to say I don't care I'm still going to be successful I think he's going to show out I, I I think I hope he does I love what he's saying recently too like somebody asked him yesterday about you know hey are you, you think you can make second team all NBA or whatever and he's like because because there's some there's some big money attached to that I believe for his next contract if he can make all NBA or for his next correct. season or whatever it is yes correct and he's like. I mean, I feel like I've been putting up numbers and maybe doing some things that I haven't been acknowledged for previously, and I just don't even care about any of it anymore. I just want to win. And I, I don't think – I think sometimes Cat has said things in the past just to like, I think this is what people want to hear. Right. Kirk Cousins does that sometimes too. But what are you actually doing to impact winning? Are you doing all the right things? And he's been doing a lot more of the right things, I think, this year. Yes. So I actually don't have a lot of questions about – whether he's, I don't think you're going to see a two for eleven performance from Cat against the Clippers in a playing game. I think he's going to play well. I hope you're we'll right. We'll see. Old tweets exposed if uh, if he doesn't. I hope you're correct. Mm. I'm so, not well, convinced. Th- yet. Thank you guys. I think that was De- Declan. That's dude. There's going to be some legit, legit major speculation about this team in the off season because I don't think they're just, especially Mark Laurie. Like I don't think they're going to be satisfied just running the roster back necessarily. So I wouldn't be shocked if you. Here's some names pop up. Hmm. Hmm. You got one more thought there, Judd? Or? No, I was waiting for the. I thought you you were trying to find a sounder, so I was. Oh, I am. I just I thought you were. I thought you were gonna put a bow on no. it there. Okay, no. therapist. No. Thank no. you. No, I'm good. Hello. Okay, let's, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Goodbye. In, in fact, Reckless in this case, goodbye. All right, phase two of Reckless Speculation Thursday. I love the way Judd coined this in our uh, text thread last night. Hey, Doogie's out. So what what can we give the people? What if we threw it back old school? The birth of reckless speculation, which Declan actually found audio of that we'll play later in old tweets exposed. The birth of reckless speculation Thursday was actually us just like throwing out trade scenarios. If we were the GM of the twins or whatever, this is what we would do. And we will have some audio of that uh, of that kind later in the show. But I would love to present to you guys. Let's go around the room here. Mm-hmm. I want to start because I have a Viking scenario for you guys that I just would love to get your thoughts on. But let's just throw some stuff out there that if if we were running the show or if we could pull the strings, what are some things that we would float or do okay. with our Minnesota sports teams? All right? Reckless speculation. So I would love to present to you guys the Minnesota Vikings in 2024. IMAX, 3D goggles, the Vikings in 2024. Speculation. <laughs> with that guy with a great voice, the, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I have like a 10-point plan oh for the Vikings over the next two years. So they've already kind of made their bed with some of this stuff, and I'm going to take what they've done so far, and, the, and now, now I'm, I'm the captain now. I'm the captain. I'm okay. the captain now. You've yep. taken over the Viking ship. Yes. Okay. So stop me at any point as I go through this checklist of things, how, how I would mold the Vikings leading up to 2024, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the first one here. So 2022, I think, is going to be similar, not necessarily to 2021. I think it's actually more similar to 2019 for the Vikings. I do think they're going to, like, if Daniil Hunter comes back healthy, I love the the Zadarius Smith signing. Uh, bringing Patrick Peterson back actually makes the cornerback room a lot more stable. Like he's just, by all measurements, a league average cornerback, which it's not like a knock on it. You need that in this room right now. 
So I think health, coaching, chemistry, I, I think they're going to go from eight wins to like nine or ten. I think they're fighting for a wild card spot. And maybe even, you know, the NFC East, for instance, is kind of a train wreck. Like the NFC is spotty enough to where if you get into the playoffs, you might be able to win a road playoff game. So so step one is sort of what is the reality of 2022? Okay, I think it is closer to 2019 for the Vikings, where you're not a Super Bowl contender, but you're a good team. Nine or ten wins, maybe you can win a playoff game. Okay. okay. Let me stop there. Is there any any wildly different thoughts from you guys on this upcoming season? Um I'm not as optimistic because I, I think that the the Smith the Smith contract means that they have no real confidence he's not going to get hurt again or have problems with that back. But like it wouldn't shock me. If they're a playoff team, I mean there's seven seeds now. So I don't know that I have confidence that they're going to be a good team, but the reality is the seven seeds often not a good team now. So yes, they could basically just back into the playoffs yeah. and it wouldn't be surprised. Hell the Eagles, the Eagles are rebuilding yeah. and made the playoffs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can, do that. You, you can get in. Yeah. So, so that happens, you know, they sneak in wild card, whatever they're competitive, like always. But the difference is, Next off season, this front office now like now there's nowhere to run and hide. Now there's no there's no like well what if we what if we did this like the glass ceiling of this roster with the age of some of the players that you're bringing back the Harrison Smiths the Adam Thielens the Eric Kendricks is even more glaring because now they're even further into their 30s and everyone including ownership starts to realize all right we ran it back it was better but ultimately it wasn't good enough it wasn't. It wasn't Super Bowl caliber. And so next offseason, the Vikings start to move off, guys, via trade, free agency, and release. Eric Hendricks, gone. Dalvin Cook, gone, probably via trade. This is this is in a year from now. Jordan Hicks on that, what it was like kind of a one-year deal that he signed. He's 30 years old. Thanks for playing for a year. Gone. Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, like all these dudes who are in their 30s or in Dalvin Cook's case, a highly paid running back, gone via trade, free agency, and or release. All right. And the Vikings use that open cap space, whatever's left. They're going to have a lot of dead money and things. They don't have a ton of cap space for 23, but they can create some more. And the players that they sign a year from now mm-hmm. are going to be age 27 or younger. Okay. They're going to be multi year contract guys, you know, two, three years of guarantees to help open a three year window 2023, four into like 2026. This offseason, they've cut, you know, they're, they're, they're committing to guys that are mostly older. You know, Harrison Phillips is younger, and that's great. Right. Um, but they're going to make a, a more concerted effort to get way younger in a year from now. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll stop there. Any other? Nope. I, any oh, no, but, but okay. you're in charge now, too. So, like, you're just mm-hmm. a- asking if, if we agree with your opinion. And, yes. Yep. Yes. That's, I, I, like your, I like this phase of the plan. So. Okay. So, with I'm that... Now we're heading into you know, 2023 draft, and the Vikings inform at that point soon to be 35-year-old Kirk Cousins. Listen, man, it's been a fun run here. You know, we've been competitive for five years, but uh, we just we keep hitting the same glass ceiling, and it's not all your fault, man. We definitely want you around in 2023. I mean, it's not really our choice, quite frankly, because you have a full ironclad contract and no trade clause. But we are going to prep you in Kansas City Chiefs style five years ago for the first-round draft pick that we are going to make. It will be a quarterback. 
So probably not going to start him right away. Might not even start him all year. But there will be a replacement quarterback drafted in the first round in 2023, Kirk. So you got the whole offseason to sort of wrap your head around that, to take notes, to plan, and then to think about what your options are beyond 2023. Just yeah. prep him. Be honest up front. This is what's going to happen, okay? He, he'd prefer a colonoscopy, but yes. Right. I, I mean, he'd prefer Sean Mannion in the quarterback room, but I instead hear, it might be somebody I else. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> now, this, you know, this is, so this is a lot like what the Chiefs did. Like, hey, we're competitive with Alex Smith. Now, they were more competitive. They were like 11 wins, and like I think they won a couple playoff games with Alex Smith. Uh, the difficult part is because the Vikings, in my scenario, just won nine or ten games in 2022, they're not drafting in the top five or ten. They're drafting between 15 and 20th somewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, you're going to have to find a way, because there's probably going to be four or five quarterbacks that in that draft that might go in the top 15. You've got to find a way to get your ass up into the top ten if you want one of those dudes, mm-hmm. which won't be as difficult because as I took over the reins, I traded back this year from 12th to 20th with the Pittsburgh Steelers so they could get Malik Willis, and I acquired an extra 2023 first-round draft pick, which will come in handy because the Mitch Trubisky-led Steelers will underachieve and will give me, let's say, the 12th overall pick and my own 16th overall pick, two top 20 picks to play with in the 2023 draft. I might not get my hands on the Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young, but maybe it's Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Maybe it's Jaron Hall from uh-huh. BYU. I have chips to play with in 2023. Okay. Yeah, I love it so far. Yes. Okay. Yes, this is where I, yeah, this is what okay. I've been advocating for. You need the second first round pick so you can get higher up in that first round. Yes. yes. So the, Kirk, Kirk is Kirk is crying in the corner right now, okay. but that, I'm okay with that. And listen, Kirk, let's work together. We're you know, we're not we're certainly not tanking here. We're, we're still It's a great Kirk impression. Uh and so the final piece of the puzzle here is 2023 is truly a sort of like shoulder shrug year of. Well, we're not going to be terrible. You still got Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. And some and whatever other pieces have been drafted, you got Christian Darrisaw, Brian O'Neill. So you're not going to be a train wreck. Right. But 2023 is a year of transition, where you're you're just trying to make room cap wise. You've got your your first round draft pick quarterback ready in the wings. And 2024 offseason in two years arrives with a boatload of salary cap space, a young quarterback on a rookie scale contract for four more years who sat for his first year, observed. And Justin Jefferson emerging into his prime, Christian Derrissaw emerging into his prime. That is my two-year plan. Reckless speculation. I wish I could put you in charge right now. Wish I could put you in charge of this whole thing right now. Yes, this is I. I love this. I love this. I don't even think it's reckless. I think it's. I think it's freestyle, responsible speculation. That's right. Um, you're you're sort of taking a step back in 2023 that I thought and advocated for them to take back in 2022. It's just a necessary step in the progression. Uh, I love it. I love it. And And I think the quarterback, I honestly don't see how you don't find a way to do what you said at quarterback. Like that one, if they don't, I'll be shot. And maybe from an ownership standpoint, this actually works better for them. Because listen, all right, we can can sell the illusion of competing. Or maybe we actually do compete in 2022. But either way, like we can hold fans' interest and say, hey, New coach, offensive-minded, we're going to run this thing back, and we're going to do it the right way, and people are going to be held captive until November or December or beyond, right? 
Yeah. And then when they when and if they hit the glass ceiling, they can they can start to sell in the first round of 2023. <laughs> Listen, things haven't gone the way that we wanted, but now we've got a quarterback of the future. Like it from a from a fan interest standpoint, it kind of bridges that gap closer. So I'm helping the owners. I'm helping the interest of the franchise. I like what you're doing. And I'm clearing a winning window in 2024. Ask me what, what my confidence is right now that the plan that you just presented to us is going to be executed in any way, shape, or form for 2023. So t- 10 being full confidence, one being zero confidence. Correct. What's your level? What's your level? About a two. Wow. About a two. I can't decide what they're doing. And here, here's the problem. If ownership gets out of the way, I think you just nailed it. Like, I think you nailed what they should do. And I, and, and you know what? I think what football people, how they, they think that there's a good chance what you just said would be the plan. But it's just so quite apparent that there's so many people involved in the decisions right now. I guess my question is, a year from now, will they sort of defer to the football yeah. people? Uh, by the way, by we can, the maybe way. we can do this on Purple Daily Day, but Caesars has put out over-under win totals. They, they like to wait a few weeks after free agency opens to see rosters you know, yeah. get completed. Yeah. But they, they put out the over-unders. What do you think the Vikings' current Caesars Sportsbook over-under is? Vegas is often not kind. I'm going to put it at seven. Dex? I'm looking at it, so I actually can I can oh. see it. I have tweet deck open at all times, so I know exactly okay. what it is. Eight and a half. Mm-hmm. It's eight and a half, which is, I, I suppose if you had a franchise over under win record for like 30 years of a franchise's history, it would, mm-hmm. it would be eight and a half for the Vikings. So Way to be average. So if you're, if you're a fan, like if you think that the Vikings are a coach away from four extra wins, I mean, you should be hammering the over with your money. Bet responsibly, but you should be hammering the over in that case. Anyway, Bet responsibly. I always love that one. Gambling problem. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I like to gamble, huh? Um, all right. So here's mine. I would like to go to St. Paul. St. Paul, Minnesota, where the Minnesota Wild reside at the Excel Energy Center, and I think the expectations are pretty doggone high. But you have a team that is going to be right up against the salary cap because of the uh, Parisian and Suter contract, uh, dead, basically, to use a football term, dead cap hits, which are going to hit next year. So the there are cap hits that the team is carrying right now, but they're not prohibitive. They will be for the next three years, starting in 2022-23. That figure, $12.7 million combined of dead cap space. The cap for 2022-23, which was just uh, approved, it looks like, as a $1 million increase. Bravo. Great job at the uh, league Meetings just held in Florida will be 82.5. Um, the Wild right now have about, according to our friends at Cap Friendly, $8.18 million in cap space for 2022-23 with 17 spots taken. That will obviously change, but but basically we're saying there's not a lot of room to operate here and the next three years are going to be difficult. Difficult decisions have to be made. And the most difficult one, uh, if you want to try and make it, and I, I think uh, Declan Goff will agree, it's worth at least exploring, is what can you do to keep one Kevin Fiala, who was a restricted free agent last summer, signed a one-year contract, gambled on himself, and has done fantastic. 
Um, he he will be a restricted free agent for one more year this coming June and July, mm-hmm. and after that will be unrestricted. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to keep him and have any chance, you need to find a way to negotiate a long term contract this summer because if you don't, he is going to almost certainly explore the market as a uh, unrestricted free agent, which he should. So how do you free up the space? Reckless speculation. And this is no guarantee Fiala takes what you're going to come with, but at least you'd like to have something. That's not a sign for one more year and let's explore it again next year, kid. Well, the obvious one, the obvious starting point is one Matthew Dumba. Defenseman, had a nice career here. Uh, the the goals especially have not come like we thought that they might. Uh, he, he is an alternate captain, so he is, I don't know I would call him beloved in the room, but he's certainly liked, and, and I think he's certainly a key part of the chemistry of this team. But this is where one must weigh chemistry with production. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, Kevin Fiala does something that is damn hard to find. He scores goals. Goal mm-hmm. score, I mean, if you're a Wild fan, what have you learned? Boy, it's hard to find guys that can score goals. So, Matthew Dumba, here's the thing that makes some some sense about trading him in in, uh, July or June. Matthew Dumba and Fiala are both under contract through 2022-23. So, they both have one year, one year left. Matthew Dumba... uh, with, with his contract, which I just need to look at here Six quickly mil. on. Okay, $6 million for n- next year. And then he hits unrestricted free agency. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I don't want a player back for him because I don't want to take on salary back. I'm trying to clear salary. I want draft picks back. Mm-hmm. I want draft picks back, and here's where I'm going to gamble on my team. There is a There is a chance that the next couple years could be rough. There's also a chance your good young talent is going to lift you up and you're going to be a playoff team. You don't know for sure, but you have a feeling at least. Um, And so if I'm going to trade Dumba, what I want back is high draft picks. Now, I think the because we are Minnesota sports fans, we tend to get caught up in price points sometimes and think, well, that guy's going to get me a lot back. I mean, that guy's going to get me a really good player. That's not the case. He might get you a good player, but he's not going to get you a great player. Uh, You're also probably not going to get the return that you expect back. What I want for Dumba is I want a first round pick from a team and like a third round pick from a a team, but I'm mostly looking to dump salary. And I hopefully by before I do this have started my Fiala negotiations to have a feeling here. Um, because what I'm going to need Fiala to do is sign a long-term contract at which I can have a chance to keep him at a reasonable but very high price. Here's the second part of, of my freestyle reckless speculation plan. <laughs> that was part one. Free That's free part one. Freebasing reckless So I have shed $6 million. Um, and, and just to circle back for a quick second, part of the reason why I kept Goligoski for two years at two million per is to have as much depth as possible cheaply on my blue line because I'm probably not going to immediately replace Dumba with a player as good. Mm-hmm. So like I'm going to have to, but but again, ask yourself what's hardest to find. Goal scoring is really hard to find. The second part of my freestyle reckless speculation plan 
is this one. I'm going to dump Cam Talbot. $3.7 million in the last year of his contract in 2022-23. Going to sell high off of the wonderful stretch of play at the end of the season here. Exactly right. This guy coming into form. But no, more importantly, I'm just going to flat out sell. So if I can sell high, great. If I can't, I don't care. Yeah. Because, Because what I'm hopefully going to do... Because believe it or not, his cap hit right now in the last year of his contract is a very reasonable $3.5 million is keep the flower. I'm going to keep the flower because here's the thing about this guy. He wants to go back to Pittsburgh eventually. But the flower had never played in Minnesota before. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you get this guy, his wife and kids here, this guy is going to love it here. Minnesotans are respectful. They will love him, yet they will ignore him enough that he will be ha- happy so he can go grocery yeah, shopping. He won't get mobbed. He'll be able to. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> and and what I want to do here is transition for 2023-24, hopefully, to Jesper Wallstedt being my goaltender, who will be about 21 by that time. So Flurry is the perfect transitional guy. I will get a goaltender for next year who can rotate and who can play, but I'll get a cheaper goaltender, the price mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. So my two ideas are Talbot gone for sure, Dumba gone for sure, and then I'll, I'll just have some natural guys come off my books as well in an attempt to keep Kevin Fiala because I think you've got to at least take a shot at keeping a guy with a skill set that you cannot simply go out and just replace him. Right. I think it also depends, too, on how hard Fiala wants to play hardball in those negotiations. Because I think he was playing hardball this last summer. He's going to play even more hardball this summer. And if you can yep. convince him that, hey, you know, Greg Wyshynski talked about this with us on Mackie and Judd, friend of the show, that hockey players are more likely to buy into a culture than seek big-time contracts when it works. And I think Fiala could eventually be talked into that, but I think the floor of what you're asking for him to accept is probably six and a half. I, I, I don't think he's going to accept yeah. anything less than six and a half per AAV, which is hard to fit I agree under. With that. Which is hard to fit under. And Kirill's at nine. I mean, this is not speculation. What, what I'm suggesting here is not simple, but I yeah. think it's worth worth a, a shot. And I'm trying to figure out. So the one thing that I keep going back to is what is Billy doing with Goligoski? He gave him two more years at two mil AAV, and which I hate this part a no move clause, I don't get which I really don't like. But anyway, he's doing something here. Like, like he didn't just freak out and decide to get, give out a questionable contract. He's setting the table for something. And I think it might be a Dumba move. Not that Goligoski is going to replace Dumba, but I think they're trying to build up their chips defensively. Um, and my guess is he knows Kevin Fiala is going to be incredibly hard to replace. And it's worth at least a shot in trying to keep him. And Dumba, Ever since he got hurt in, in that fight with Kachuk about, what, Dex, three years ago now, three-plus mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. the goal scoring, the shot, it's never really come back. Like, mm-hmm. like one of his things was, and I like him, but that shot was lethal. And that year he was off to, what, he had like 10 goals. It was ridiculous. Yeah. That's really never completely come back. Mm-hmm. And so I think, the, I think the skids are being greased here for something, and my guess is it's somehow in a backdoor way involves Kevin Fiala. Okay. See, just just playing GM here. Yeah. Speculation Thursday. So, and that's uh, 
go back like five years ago. In fact, let's 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 get into this here. So every week, Declan goes back in the Twitter archives and finds old incriminating tweets about us. And um, when the twins signed Chris Archer earlier this week, it was a good reminder of the birth of reckless speculation Thursday. Where we just, I don't know, we used to do a four-hour radio show on 1500 ESPN. It's a lot of time. A lot, a lot of time. time to just be with your thoughts and Both. throwing stuff out there. And 16 segments a day. You're not always. Here's a little inside secret. Anyone who's doing a three- or four-hour radio show every day, they're not throwing their fastball for all 12 or 16 segments. They're Jamie right. Moyer. Yeah. <laughs> this is a long, long game. We were looking for some fun things to do and talk about during a dead period. And I don't even know, like. I think I threw it out there. I think I said Miguel Sano has been disappointing. I mean, he's hits for power, but he's basically just like he's like Adam Dunn. But the league doesn't think that yet. So could you sell high on Miguel Sano? This is how I remember it, anyways. I guess Declan's got the actual audio for how the conversation played out. But <laughs> Miguel Sano for Chris Archer? Mm-hmm. Would you pull the trigger? And we like took calls on it and stuff. So oh. did you find something? So I found something. Uh, this was also pre my second act at. 1500 AM and KSTP. So there was a little audiogram that was released uh, in early 2018. And this might have been like one of the first reckless speculation ideas that was ever thrown out. This, on was, the, this was the yeah, first this one. The yeah. This is the first one ever. Yes. So uh, let, let, let's play this clip of you two bantering about this for a couple minutes here. So we've been all in on Chris Archer reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. These last couple days, because Lavelle Neal reported that the Twins have made an offer to the Rays for Chris Archer and that the Rays want Max Kepler in return in some package. Last segment, you said you would trade Royce Lewis to the Rays in a package. So Royce Lewis, Max Kepler, and maybe something else lower level for Chris Archer. Pitching prospects, yes. So you would trade the number one overall pick for, for Chris Archer. It's a lot of guts to do what I did last segment. It does. Absolutely. And and I think in general, if you're if you're able to trade lottery tickets, which minor league players are lottery tickets. Now, some of them, if you were drafted in the eighth round and you're in single A, maybe your lottery ticket percentage is two percent. Uh, if you were a first round draft pick, like you know, fifteenth overall pick, and uh, you're in Triple A and performing well, then I think your lottery ticket is more like fifty sixty percent to have a successful big league career. And then there's percentages like. Uh, what percent chance are you an all-star? What percent chance are you a complete bust who never touches the big leagues? The lottery ticket is different when it's the number one overall pick. So I just want you to to know what you're getting into. Yep. If you right. commit to a Royce Lewis for Chris so you're Archer my guy. trade. You're going to tell me. This is all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But if you pull the trigger on this, just know that the number one overall pick is much, much more often a cashed-in lottery ticket than a second-round pick, uh, Steven Gonsalves, you know, guys like that. I'm going to read you the names of number one overall picks going back the last two or three decades. Basically, if you didn't suffer from some sort of a drug addiction or major off-the-field problems, <laughs> yeah. you're awesome, okay? okay? All right. Let's start with, and we'll start a few years ago. We, like Mark Appel is going to be a bust, but let's, let's start a few years ago just so we can give some ample time here. So Carlos Correa, 2012, one of the best players in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, 2011. Not a top-tier pitcher, but very, very good. A playoff rotation caliber pitcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, back-to-back. One of the best pitchers and maybe the best hitter in baseball. Tim Beckham, 2008. And you might think, oh, that guy's a bust, right? It took him a while. He was awesome last year. The clip does cut <laughs> off right there, unfortunately, and I can't Tim, find Tim more Beckham. audio. But you threw out a Tim Beckham, who's now 
Oh, the twins. He's back. He just, oh, he just, he, today he just, he just, he just got, got uh, sent down to minor league camp today. So Chris, Ar- Chris Archer was an all-star in 2017. He had, uh, 249 strikeouts and 201 innings. And that was what he was coming off. And the twins were coming off in 85 and 77 seasons. We were looking and saying, man, you just, you add a pitch like Chris Archer, you could go to the promised land. Go time. Judd, I think you're muted there. Oh, I was. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> you were right at the time, and and you know what? So if the deal was back then, the Rays were asking for Max Kepler plus. I'd love to know what plus was, because trading Max that, Kepler would have been a good move. Well, so they well Kepler was amazing for the Bomba Squad Twins in 2019. Right. But that trade would have blown up in their faces because Max Kepler's been disappointing. But that one, like what he gave you in 2019, Royce Lewis is still a complete wild card. But having that trade chip for something else now could be valuable. And Chris Archer had a decent season between the Rays and the Pirates in 2018, and then his arm basically started to blow up. So that was that's the risk. Like you look to trade for a 28 year old pitcher, and he's got a lot of miles on his arms. But that was that was the birth of well, and the, speculation. And the Pirates right. got it robbed. The Pirates got absolutely robbed. Yeah, Glasnow so. and Meadows. Yeah, that was. Uh, if they had gotten. Glasnow, Meadows, and the Pirates sent uh, Archer and somebody named Shane Baz to the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> Shane Baz, great Shane guy. Baz is great crazy. character guy. Did you know that Chris Archer in 2011 was traded by. So he wanted, he was with the Cubs at one point, so he was traded yeah. by the Cubs. To the Rays yes, for Matt the Garza. Oh, yes. The Garza trade, yeah. Yeah, I think he was drafted by the Cubs. Garza's been in some big-time trades. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, all right, there you have it. It's old, old tweets exposed right there. The birth. Four, four years ago? I had forgotten that there was an actual report, though, then. I had forgotten that part of the story, that there was a, a report. And and I think that's where we said you should trade at that, at that point, Miguel Sano. You know, actually, if I remember right, that was the birth of like the sounder and the segment of reckless speculation. I'm pretty sure we broached the actual conversation the summer before because we we broached it before oh. it was a report. We did okay, and then it became a report, and we're like, oh my god, this is a thing. This is interesting. Sometimes that clip is so old. Is true. Garrett Cole was not that good. Yeah, yet. that's what Bill said. That's how old that that's how front old line that guy. clip is. What a caliber. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little that might have been that that might have been still pirate Garrett Cole then. I'm yeah, sure it was. was. It was pirate Garrett Cole. He had not found. Uh, I don't think he went spider to... tack yet. No, right. He hadn't started to cheat like a like a, like a cheater that 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 cheats. Josh Donaldson is now teammate accused him of being. Okay, that's so all... we. I'm I'm just looking at the twins here. The twins in 2017. That was the year where that was Falvey and Levine's first year, right? And yep. they chose to stand pat at the trade deadline. And then they went on a huge run after they stood pat at the trade deadline. I think we had the conversation in like June or July of that year. I'm like 75% sure on this. Man, the right. Twins are in it. They're competitive. They're above 500. They just well, need they a didn't, pitcher. They didn't stand pat. They they got and then traded after Jaime. one start in Oakland, Jaime Garcia, right? That was weird, yeah. And Super the weird. players got all ticked off, and the whole thing was very odd. And Dozier got mad. Was, Dozier got was mad. the Garcia trade when they got Jay Cave back? Um, from the Yankees, I think it might have been. I think they got Jake Cave from the Yankees. They got him from the Yankees, but I think that was in 2018. Okay, and they had moved. Um, 
not Lomo, because Lomo somehow made it through the entire roster. But uh, they greatest boombox of all time. Yeah, dude. the big the big boombox. He had a boombox. They got Love Cave and Tyler Austin from the Yankees. I think in okay. two separate trades, and I'm just forgetting Tyler. what it was. Tyler Austin. Yeah, well, as a pull, huh? I, I think he was in Japan playing. Huh. All right, good session, boys. Good session. Yeah, great here. reckless speculation. Great little freestyle. We should bring that back more often. Doogie will be back tomorrow. So uh, also get your feedback questions in Feedback Friday on the show tomorrow, and also Purple Daily reads the comments. On Saturday, so hit us up on the Score North app and send us your comments, questions, critiques, concerns. We'll see you guys tomorrow, Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to two hundred dollars off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread, and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December twenty fifth. Visit onePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at onepeloton.com.